Well, on behalf of Mary and myself, we want to thank you for your generosity and your welcome. I had words of advice from Stacy. She said, just don't do something stupid. <laughs> and then Gary, Gary has been um, gracious as well, and he said, just don't blow it. It is a privilege, though, to be here and to bring the Word of God to you this morning. One other thing, I, some of you know I, I like to play golf, and I was in a golf tournament a number of years ago uh, for Princeton Children's Home. Princeton Children's Home is uh, outside of Chicago. It's an orphanage that the Evangelical Covenant Church runs, and so we go down, and a number of the churches in the area support it, and I happened to win the golf tournament. And you win a golf tournament, and you get something for it, and I got this flashlight for winning this golf tournament. And I was like, you go up and you have to, well, thank you for, and the guy said, no, this will be the best flashlight you ever have. So I was like, okay. But today we're talking about salt and light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's not you might be, it is you are. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. So before we begin, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Our text for this morning is from Matthew chapter 5. It's uh, what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read for you, uh, starting at verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all people, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven." Well, to understand what Jesus is saying here, I want us to do a few things, especially these last couple verses, um, 13 through 16. First is I want to understand the context, the geographical setting of two places. One is called Magdala, and the other is Hippus. Then the other thing is to look at the Old Testament context and the Roman understanding of salt. And the third is what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. And then the fourth is the importance of community. 
And so the geographical setting for the Sermon on the Mount. I have a couple pictures here I want to show you. If we can go. Um, actually, when I sent these pictures to Rochelle, she thought that this was me. Uh, she was a little worried. But this was our leader. I was over in Israel a couple years ago. Um, actually, in last year, in 2015, with um, Mary. And we, uh, this is the Sea of Galilee. If you've been to the Sea of Galilee, um, you'll understand what I'm saying. If you haven't, you have to understand Israel. Israel is the size of what state? New Jersey. Okay, so it's the size of New Jersey. Um, you go from the north, which has Mount Hermon, 10,000 feet. You go all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is 1,400 feet below sea level. Nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. That's why it's dead. But you go from the north, you go down to the water flows down into the Sea of Galilee, which actually is 600 feet below sea level. And then it flows down the Jordan River all the way down to the Dead Sea. And so Jesus is up in the north when he is giving this Sermon on the Mount. He has um, done a number of miracles. He has healed people. And now he is giving this sermon. He, he's, people are following him. They're gathering around him. And he's up in, by the Sea of Galilee. And he goes up a mountainside. And he teaches his disciples. And so he starts with the, what we call the Beatitudes. And now then he gets into that saying, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so in this picture right here behind um, our leader, if you went straight back against the mountains there, you would come to Tiberias. Tiberias is a city that is named after one of the Caesars. And then you go around the city. Go to the next picture. Um, and that is looking, that little city right there where you see a couple buildings, that's Magdala. Okay? And then the next picture. And then if you turn around and look across the sea, it's eight miles wide by 15 miles long, so you can see the whole lake all at one time. That is Hippus. Hippus was built on top of that hill, and from anywhere in the Sea of Galilee, you would be able to see that city. And then the next picture, this is just an overview, right down by the rocks right here, it's called the Arbel, the Cliffs of the Arbel, um, that's Magdala, and then just over to the left in the corner there is Capernaum. Capernaum is where you hear a lot of the stories of Jesus and Peter, Peter was from Capernaum. And then right across the lake is Hippus. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples there. And you need to know, Hippus is a city built on a hill that everyone can see. But Magdala is where they processed fish. It was a salt plant where they did all the salting of the fish. And then they would be able to ship the fish out from there all over the country because the fish were preserved because of the salt. And so when we were there... Um, our leader reads these, this, this text, and he gets to verse 13, and he says, you are the salt of the earth, and he points to Magdala. People would have totally understood the importance of salt, and he points to the, you are the salt of the earth, and then he says, and you are the light of the world, and he points to Hippus. So it's common things that people would have understood. But for us today, we don't really understand salt. So I want us to go to our second point, which is the Old Testament Roman understanding of salt. Because the role of salt in the Bible is, um, we need to understand if we're understanding what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Salt was a necessity of life. It was a mineral used since ancient times and in many cultures for seasoning, for, as a preservative, as a disinfectant. 
It was also used in ceremonial offerings, and it was used as a unit of exchange. The Bible contains numerous references to salt. In various contexts, it's used metaphorically to signify permanence, loyalty, durability, fidelity, usefulness, value, and purification. Now, the main place that they're getting salt is just a few miles south at the Dead Sea. There is a seven-mile cliff. The cliff is called Jebu Ustan. and seven miles long, and they mine salt there. The other way that you could get salt was they would take the water out of the Dead Sea. If any, have any of you been to the Dead Sea? Okay, a couple of you. You know you go into the Dead Sea, it's 27% salt, and you float. Um, you cannot sink in it. But one of the ways they'd get salt is they could take the water out, put it in a pits, let the water evaporate, and then you'd get more salt. And they mined the salt down by this area as well. And a couple of things when you go through um, one, the book of Ezekiel, he talks about salt being used in burnt offerings. It was part of the incense that was offered to God and part of the temple offerings of salt. And then in 2 Chronicles, that's not a book that you're going to read you know, often, but King Abijah referred to a covenant of salt. And when he makes this promise that David is going to be on the throne, that a king will always be on the throne, it's called a salt covenant, which means it's a covenant of permanence. And so when Jesus says to his disciples that you are the salt of the earth, he is bestowing on them a high, high honor. Salt is a necessity in life. And there's great value attached to it. Now there's another thing, and how many of you get a salary? Okay, you get a salary. The word salary comes from the word salt, to be paid with salt. Roman soldiers would be paid with salt, because salt was used as currency. And the word salary comes from the Latin salarium, um, salarium, and that's when a soldier be, would be paid for salt with salt. That's where we get our word today. We still use the word, I'm not sure if you use the phrase much, someone is worth their salt. Well, we don't think much of salt today, do we? Because salt is, we get it in pure form, Morton salt, you know, you get it and it's something that sits on your table in a little shaker and you put it on food every once in a while. And it's, we use it very differently today. And so when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, it doesn't mean as much for us today, but it meant a lot to the disciples back then. Sodium chloride, which is table salt, is a stable compound, and it won't lose its saltiness. However, if you mix it with other impurities, it loses its ability to be effective. When the salt was mined down in the south, down by the Dead Sea, it wasn't always pure, and some of the salt that was mined had so many impurities in it, it wasn't effective. And the only thing, they, this salt was called merino salt, and what they would do is the only thing it was good for was to be thrown out on the pathway going to your house and trampled under your foot, and it would become your sidewalk. And so Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness, it's nothing, it's no good except throw it out and be trampled underfoot. That's the salt. The salt that he's talking about is the salt that has been contaminated with the impurities and the other minerals. 
Salt always is salt, but it loses its effectiveness when it is mixed with other impurities. You are still salt, but are you effective? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. It isn't an option. That is what you are. It isn't, you might be the salt of the earth if you do this and that. It's, you are the salt of the earth, what are you doing? So that brings us to our third point, is being in the world but not of the world. How do we remove the impurities from our life that keep us from being ineffective for the Lord? One of the biggest accusations about Christians is that we are hypocrites. Hypocrites, we don't do what we say. We say one thing and we do another. And it is one of the hardest things for the church to overcome because accusations against the church and against Christians are, we're hypocrites. We are hypocrites. And the key to not being a hypocrite is to be authentic. The world wants us to be authentic. Young people want us to be authentic. They don't want people to be wearing masks. So oftentimes you come to church and people say, how are you? And we say, we're fine. When we're not. We're not being authentic. Now, back in the ancient Greece, um, they had big, huge theatrical events. And if you've ever been over to Greece, you see the big, huge amphitheaters. And people would, um, in the plays, they would, people would come out with these huge masks. There were no microphones back then. But what they would do is they would have megaphones behind these masks. And the masks depicted the character that the people were playing. And so it was, they were someone else. They weren't acting as themselves. Rather, they became someone when they got behind the mask. And they used these megaphones so people could hear them. The Greeks called those actors hypocrites. Hiding behind a mask to pretend to be something that you're not. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. And that is difficult. Are we affecting the world, or is the world affecting us? Now, George Barna, a church statistician and researcher, discovered, and this is what he wrote. The average Christian in the average church is almost indistinguishable from the rest of society. The fundamental moral and ethical difference that Christ can make in how we live is missing. When our teens claim to be saved yet get pregnant and do drugs at the same rate as the general population, when marriages of Christians end divorce at the same rate as the rest of society, when Christians cheat in business or lie or steal and cheat on their spouses at the same statistical level as those who say they are not Christians, something is horribly wrong. If we as Christians lose the quality of Christ-likeness that make us distinct from the world, we have lost our saltiness. So how can we stay pure while being in the world, but not of the world? And that brings us to the fourth point, the importance of the church. Jesus answered this question in Matthew 5.14. He said, you are the light of the world. And he talked about... Hippus, that city built on a hill. But you are not a city. You are just one person among many. 
We are part of the church. And Jesus was not speaking to one individual. He was speaking to his disciples. And he said, you as a group are the salt of the earth. You as a group are the light of the world. We were never meant to shine alone. You can't remain uncontaminated salt and shine brightly on your own. We need each other. We need to hold each other accountable. In our Christian life, in the church, we need to hold each other accountable. And I hope and pray that every one of you have at least one person who holds you accountable each and every week. And that you're totally authentic with. And we are to encourage one another in our Christian walk. We are to encourage each other because it is so easy to be affected by the world rather than to affect the world. Have we lost our ability to make a difference in the world? And so, I got this great flashlight. But guess what? A flashlight doesn't work well in the sunlight, does it? How many people do you see out with a flashlight in the sunlight? It works well in the... So we're supposed to be in the world, and we shine best when we're in the world. Salt does absolutely no good sitting on your table. I mean, how old is the salt on your table? I mean, when you think about it, and when you go to a restaurant and someone comes and they say, would you like fresh ground pepper? No, I like the five-year-old pepper that's been sitting on this table forever. But salt only is, works if it comes in contact with something. If it comes in contact with food. If you have a steak on your plate and the salt's way over there, it's not going to help, is it? So we're to be in contact with the world, but not of the world. This flashlight, it's um, probably the best flashlight I'll ever own. But it has, I have a charger for it. And it only works well as long as it is charged. And after I use it a bit, I have to charge it again. As a church, for us to shine brightly, we need to be in touch with the source of our power, and that source is Jesus Christ. And if we are not in touch with Jesus, we will not shine brightly. We have to get recharged over and over again. The other thing about the flashlight is how do we help people when we shine? You know, if I do this, you guys are closing your eyes. I mean, okay? That does no one any good. Shining your light in someone's face isn't going to help them. But boy, put it on a pathway for, to show people the way to walk, and it is of great great benefit. We don't shine well in the daylight. We shine well in the dark. And my hope and my pray for Hope Covenant Church is that you will remember you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And Jesus has great things for us to do. So let us stay in touch with him at all times. Let us 
be connected to the source of our power. Let us shine brightly for him. Let us affect the world for Christ rather than be affected by the world. And we will bring honor and glory to him in all things. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your love for us. What a privilege it is, Heavenly Father, to be part of your church. What a privilege it is, Lord, to know that you still have work for us to do. What a privilege it is to be part of your family. Help us, Lord, to be salt and light this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And this leads us right into communion. Communion is that wonderful celebration where we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. We remember that he sacrificed his life for us. The night when Jesus was betrayed long ago, he was with his disciples. And he took a loaf of bread and he said to them, I am going to go and give my life for you. I am going to die in your place on the cross. And he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, This is my body given for you. I am dying in your place. And then he invited them to come and take part of the bread and eat it themselves. This is my body given for you. In the same way, he took a cup after supper and he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. I am shedding my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. So as long as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And at Hope Covenant Church, we celebrate open communion, which means you do not need to be a member of this church, but as long as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have known the grace of God, he is the one who invites you to come to the table to take the bread and the cup and to remember his love for you. He did this for you because of his love for you. And this is food for your soul. And so in just a few moments, the... Um, Servers are going to come and invite you to come up through the side aisles. Come to the front. When you're ready, don't come just because anyone else is coming. Come because you hear Jesus inviting you. And so when you're ready, just come up and we celebrate by intention. There'll be bread and if you need um, gluten-free, there's gluten-free options as well. And then just dip the bread into the cup. You might hear those words. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And when you come, remember, it's because Jesus loves each and every one of you. But it's not only for us. This good news is for all people. The world out there needs to hear. So be salt and light this day. Come as you're ready.
of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heavy can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heavy can Lay down your burden, lay down your shame, and all who are broken, lift up your face, oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far. down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless, and all who are straight, come sit at the table.
sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. I invite you to all stand. This morning there's an opportunity if you feel like you need prayer to come forward after the service. There'll be people here who would love to pray with you. On Communion Sundays, we also take a retiring offering that as we exit the building here, uh, if you feel like you'd like to give something extra, um, we have an opportunity to, to give to help meet some of the physical needs that are right here within this community, within this church. Um, so th those people will be at the door. And, and also, we just want to invite you to, uh, to take some time to greet Paul and his wife, Mary, um, to come back after um, second service and join us for a luncheon, spend some time getting to know them. And join us tonight as we vote on this really important decision in the life of our church. Now, would you, would you hear these words from Jesus himself? 